If you're listening to this, then you likely already know that being an independent musician can be a lonely road. And maybe your friends and your family just don't fully understand why you do what you do or why you invest so much time, energy, and, and money towards achieving your music goals. And especially early on, it can be hard to find people who really understand what you're trying to accomplish and how to make it happen. Uh, so that's where Modern Musician comes in. My name is Michael Walker, and you know I can understand and relate to that feeling. I've been there myself, and so has our team of independent artists. And the truth is that basically everything good in my life has been the result of music. It's the reason I met my wife. It's why I have my three kids. It's how I met my best friends. And now with Modern Musician, we've seen so many talented artists who started out with a dream, with a passion, but without really a fan base without a business and be able to take that and turn it into a sustainable full-time career and be able to impact hundreds of thousands, even millions of fans with their music. And we've had thousands of messages from artists who told us that we've helped change their lives forever. And it just gets even more exciting and fulfilling when you're surrounded by a community of other people who get it and who share their success and their knowledge with each other openly. And so if you are feeling called to make your music a full-time career and to be able to reach more people with your music, then I want to invite you to join our community so that we can support your growth and help lift you up as you pursue your musical dreams. You'll be able to interact in a community with other high-level artists, coaches, and industry professionals, as well as be able to participate in our daily live podcasts, meet these amazing guests, and get access to completely free training. If you'd like to join our family of artists who truly care about your success, then click on the link in the show notes and sign up now. Really giving working class artists access to tools that can help them make the best decisions for their careers is what we were driven by because that's the position we were in. We understand that. And as far as gamification goes, I mean, it's the future whether we like it or not. It's easy to get lost in today's music industry with constantly changing technology and where anyone with a computer can release their own music. But I'm gonna share with you why this is the best time to be an independent musician and it's only getting better. If you have high quality music, but you just don't know the best way to promote yourself so that you can reach the right people and generate a sustainable income with your music, we're gonna show you the best strategies that we're using right now to reach millions of new listeners every month without spending 10 hours a day on social media. We're creating a revolution in today's music industry, and this is your invitation to join me. I'm your host, Michael Walker. All right, I am excited to be here today with Chevy Smith. So Chevy is an Emmy-nominated composer and producer and has made a remarkable impact on the music industry. Uh, she's been involved in the music industry for, for a long while. In her teenage years, signed a music publishing deal, was able to win the Pro Max Gold Award, and now she's co-created a music discovery app that allows artists like you and like ourselves to be actually able to cut through the noise and, and get their music heard. So uh, I'm really excited to connect with her today. We were talking a little bit backstage about the topic and landed on uh, fan gamification and about you know really separating yourself from the hundreds of thousands of artists and songs that are released every single day. How do you actually build a deeper relationship with your fans and, and kind of cut through the noise? So Chevy, thank you so much for taking the time to be here today. Thank you for having me. It's a, such a, a wonderful treat to be here with you. So thank you. Absolutely. So to uh, kick things off, you know, I'd love to hear a little bit about your story about Ultimate Playlisting and how you discovered this uh, gamification app and, and doing what you do now. 
Absolutely. Well, I, my background is all in, you know, writing and I was an artist when I was younger and, and I guess still am, you know, we never stopped being, but I was, you know, very much in that lane and had all the accoutrement that you have and toured. And I, you know, used to play over 200 colleges a year and kind of come from that troubadour DIY background in making records and, and writing songs and just playing a bunch of instruments. And so I started quite young. I was, you know, 16 years old when I kind of did my first publishing deal and started recording in New York and had great, I'm, I'm kind of the rare, especially young, like I'm not a young woman anymore, but then, you know, young woman that you would meet that did not have kind of the horror stories that you usually have. I had mm. some amazing producers and, and people around me and, and my publishers were these like you know, trailblazing history making women. And I was really fortunate in that I kind of fell in with what I consider to be the best and, you know, got a great education, always had, you know, different engineers being like, oh yeah, this is, you know, this is how a compressor works. Or, and I was a bit of a, a studio rat. I come from a family of mostly boys and, you know, I was always out in the shop working with my dad and and my mom is, you know, also very skilled and doing lots of technical things. So it just kind of, you would walk into a studio and it'd be a big, you know, labyrinth of like problem solving and toys and just, it was, it was a joy. So <laughs> I had uh, a really lovely early experience in making records and kind of, I loved being on the road, you know, like you couldn't have told me there was anything better than driving around, you know, with my Labrador and my guitars and stopping at college <laughs> coffee houses and and I, I'm I'm 40 now so it was the era where John Mayer had really come about in that scene and it was Matt Nathanson and Matt Wirtz and Matt Carney on, if your name was uh, yeah, it, yeah if, if your name was Matt I probably opened you know for you at that point but it was just it was really lovely and and I had a ball and I was also kind of just rootsy enough that I was able to kind of also be in the country scene. And this was pre-Taylor, you know, so it was, there was a lot more bifurcation between genres. Now with the app, we talk about a genreless future. This was, this is the very genre past, but I, you know, was able to open portions of tours for Kenny Chesney and Tim McGraw and, you know, kind of be in these big stages as well. Cause I was easy as far as acts go, they could just plug in a DI and give me a mic and I'd go. And so, so I really kind of come from that, like working class artist background, you know, like there's no billboard, there's no bus. It was just songs and the strength of your, your booking agent and that the relationships that they had, you know, I was able to play a lot of shows and kind of see the world that way went on USO tours. And, and so worked really hard, had a lot of fun. And then by the time I was 23, 24, I was kind of burnt out, if I'm honest, you know, just like, okay, well, this is, I've, I've done, at that point, I'd done almost a decade of, of kind of doing all of that. And I, I was interested in producing more and doing kind of seeing what other avenues I've always done artwork as well. And so it was kind of like time to just expand. And so I ended up moving to LA. I was in Nashville during that whole early period. I moved to LA and ended up getting involved in some really interesting things. I helped run a writing organization for Afghan women, and we focused on poetry and education through poetry. And then we put on these kind of songwriting musical events here in the States around that. And so 
was really interested in exploring the why of why we create music and how it could be connective and collaborative cross-culturally. And, you know, it was really developmental as far as well-roundedness. And then also the other thing is many times you were creating productions with people who were not seasoned musicians, you know, so there's really, I think, an aptitude you get when you have a self-conscious 14-year-old and it's their first time in front of a mic and they're not a phenom. They're not, they, they're going to hear those imperfections in their voices. And so I think we all know that a lot of producing is psychological and, and creating an atmosphere where somebody can give their best performance. So it was kind of a crash course in that. LA has a rich natural resource of a lot of uh, TV and film and promo work. So I ended up producing a lot for that and got to collaborate with animation teams and, you know, just kind of like any of us, just going the direction that that paid the bills and was interesting and, if being quite honest, least embarrassing, you know, because like a lot of times you're you're kind of gauging like, okay, I'm trying to build a body of work, but I'm also trying to, you know, spend my time doing this thing. So you, you know, do do one for the real and one, you know, to to pay the bills. And so I was, you know, basically in the same position that all of my friends were in. And, you know, we were all just kind of hopefully spiraling up together. And then had the fortunate instance of kind of the same thing happening in that era of life too, of, you know, producers like Jackknife Lee or uh, Ryan Olyate really being supportive of, of what I was doing and kind of pulling me in. And I got to, you know, for lack of a better word, like apprentice and see how they do things and really mm-hmm. learn from them. And so, yeah, I mean, you, I, it was it was pretty hard to argue with that. And then around 2017, I met my business partner, Khalid Jones, who is a pure genius as far as just innovative thinking, but also has the ability to put it into words that real life people can understand. And he was on the forefront of gaming um, as far as he Mm. was one of the first owners of his esports team, was part of that ownership group and Stanford educated attorney, but also encyclopedic of he grew up in Queens. Um, and so, you know, encyclopedic when it comes to early rap through, through current, you know, so we really connected on this love of music, but also figuring out perhaps the, you know, the whole Silicon Valley thing of like picks and axes. Like if there's a gold rush, like who's making the Levi's in that scenario. And so we were always kind of interested in doing projects together because I had kind of these, these artists I was working with who were young, who were very reminiscent of who I was when I signed. And now I was the the older, you know, adult in the situation and needed to figure out some formalized, you know, funding and systems to make sure we could put out the music with, you know, some, give it some shot at, at being heard. At the time, there were 40,000 songs going to Spotify each day. And we thought that was astronomical. So we had this artist development company. We're trying to figure out methods of getting songs out there. And he brought in this whole other like gamification portion of it, which I was thinking of incentivization. You know, like I I remember one, our, our studio was in downtown LA. And so we were sitting with, you know, a final mix from one of our artists that we felt was brilliant. 
and Billie Eilish was playing Staples that night. It was still called Staples, not crypto at that time. And, and I remember saying to him, you know, if I think we would be money ahead to take $5,001 bills and go ask each young woman there to hear Billie Eilish, ask her to listen to 30 seconds of this song. Like, I think that our takeaway of actual fans who are going to re-engage with our artists is higher than paying some promotions company or just like sending it to playlisting and hoping, you know, or whatever it was. And hmm. he, he was like, I think there, there's something there in that, you know, like can in an attention economy, attention has value. We're inadvertently kind of hiding the ball through, I mean, we say payola doesn't go on anymore, but like we're paying to get songs heard. We're just going through a middleman that used to be called a program director. Now it's called a playlist promoter. And, and those are all valid positions. Like we are not, you know, that, that needs to exist and will always exist as well. But we wondered whether we could kind of invent another, you know, path, like just, just more rather than just these kind of limited pathways for artist promotion. And then the other thing that was happening around that time was the predominance of expecting artists to become content creators. And, you know, like it it was a little before TikTok dances, but that was still, you know, that was kind of becoming the thing. And you're like, that is so fantastic for the artists that it's fantastic for. You know, I think there was a, there was a viral thing that just went around of a girl being like song of the summer, you know? And I remember kind of having the same thing of like, if you don't have the song of the summer, like if you have, you know, a four minute slow tempo, but deeply moving track, like it's going to be hard to get a six second snippet that goes viral and is, pitched up and used and everybody's real, you know, like that, to the extent that that kind of promotion was being thrust upon artists at that time, I definitely understood, like, I don't, not every artist is built for that. And so is there a way that we can incentivize long form listening on the fan side? And so that's, that's really kind of, you know, all the conversations and kind of life experience that led to ultimate playlist. And I don't want to, you know, go deep into the questions that I'm sure we're going to get into, but that's kind of the setup, I guess. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. Th thank you for sharing that. And yeah. you, what I love about your story is about how you, you, it sounds like you've really been steeped in the culture of being a musician, you know, yourself, you know, for your whole yeah. life. And, you know, now you're kind of in this, this phase of your life where you get to see, you know, a piece of yourself and the artists that you're working with and you get to be a part of, you know, you know of changing the the music industry. And I, I can really relate with that. So that's awesome. Also on the gamification front, you know, a big piece of what we've been working on the past year has been all about gamification and about, you know, building <laughs> communities and helping artists connect with their fans. So I think there's a lot of opportunity there. And well, and you have a Discord community. I mean, like you're that's it is not hard to explain this concept to people who use Discord. They understand communities. They understand gamification, you know? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's a newer platform for us. So, we're, so oh, okay. I think it was probably about like a month or two ago that we officially moved all of our community uh, stuff over to Discord. And yeah, we have a few thousand people now that have joined the Discord and you know, about a month, a month or so. But it's the 
I love the intersection of like, you know, both you coming from you having deep roots as a musician, but then also a tangential industry, you know, with your business partner uh, of yeah. gamification. So, yeah, I mean, I, I would love to hear now. Yeah, I mean, maybe before we dive into the specifics of the like the gamification features, I'd love to hear you talk a little bit about the why kind of the purpose behind gamification obviously right now like with spotify spotify is sort of like the main place that people go to listen to music apple music yeah. is you know the other big one as well and i'd love to hear you share about sort of the pros and cons of the current model and how the gamification like really the purpose for it in this new era that we're entering yeah absolutely yeah i think yeah it's lovely to hear that you kind of have the same thing of like i think the line between industry and and artist because as I'm, we're about to kind of wrap on, you know, like there are, there are some pain points right now and we need to be creative about the ways that we, we go about those. And you look, Jimmy Iovine, you know, was producing Petty and Stevie Nicks and everything, and also running the industry side. And I always would think that would make a good liaison. You know, he was, he was in the boardroom and able to advocate for the creatives within there. So, because he was, is one himself, you know? So in terms of DSPs and streaming, uh, you know, it's, it's all of the usual issues that we all talk about. It's signal to noise. There's at this point, I think a hundred thousand songs going to Spotify each day. So a certain portion of those songs are from artists who are looking to do this as a career, you know, really earnestly going after that. And then there is obviously a lot that is being generated in who knows what way, you know, and, and by who knows what rights holders. So hmm. within- That's even crazier with AI. Like exactly. Suno, AI, like it's yeah. so easy to generate new songs. And if I ran a platform that had to pay direct licensing fees- I too might want to make my own owned content to at least knock out 30 to 40% of those costs. So then you look at if there's an available market share of an attention and now the broadcaster, the DSP themselves, it's going to fill that up with 30, 40% of their own content because they've got shareholders, they've got numbers to make. Then you're left with a really small portion of pie. And you're competing against Drake's team. You're competing against, you know, like I don't, I don't feel like the music listener under the age of 38 is really one thing, you know, we're all kind of multi-genre and really um, switching between a lot of different genres. And when we're playlisting, we're not just saying, you know, give me nothing but 90s and 2000s country, you know, like we're going to mix other things in there. And you see it in the collaborations, like is Maren Morris country? Is she EDM? Like, I don't know if there's ever been that crossover before, but there sure is now. So hmm. as you look at kind of the, the pain point, mainly being, how do I break through? I'm an artist sitting here with a project that I deeply believe in. I have $10,000 to promote it. Where do I put that money? Where is that best used? How do I do something beyond, you know, obviously you put it in front of the editorial board at those DSPs and, and try to get playlisted. But then there's a whole slew of things that are kind of like sketchy, you know, that like could help you, but also could jeopardize your ability to even 
have music. So a lot of like the play, playlist promotion things, they're, they're dangerous, you know, and you're like mm. playing with fire because it is this unknown. Is it stream farms? Is it what is actually affecting that algorithm? And mm. you're at the mercy of Spotify to say, sorry, we, this is illegal. You're out. So to have like some legit way to reach human fans with ears to give your song a shot. And then the other thing is that there are a lot of indicators that you can get by testing a song, you know? So one thing that we love about putting a song on Ultimate Playlist, and I'll explain how it all works, is that you can get real feedback for a very, very nominal amount of money. You could never put together a focus group yourself as an independent artist at this level and, and get that kind of data stratification that helps you decide it's not going over as well as we thought it is. And maybe we pivot to a different song because we do only have this $10,000 and how do we make the most of it? So really giving working class artists access to tools that can help them make the best decisions for their careers is what we were driven by because that's the position we were in. We understand that. And as far as gamification goes, I mean, it's the future, whether we like it or not, you know, it's, it's already happening. Um, you know, our, our music discovery apps right now, the main one is TikTok. Like, is there anything more gamified? You know, it's like, it's fast moving. It's like, you're in a casino half the time, like how fast, you know, they want you to like go between all the different offerings, you know, and, and it's every third thing is trying to sell you something. And it's just, it's, massively engaging and their goal is to keep you on the app as long as possible. An artist's goal is to keep you listening to the song as long as possible. And so those incentives are actually quite similar. And so looking at ways to use what we know from the former to, to help the latter. So with Ultima Playlist, there's 40 songs a day. So it's a finite list. It's not 97 songs long and your song 94 so nobody hears it it is randomized because it's it's essentially we put a game over interactive streaming radio so it's like we put a game over pandora so you don't get to choose like i want to go to this song and this song and that song songs are served to you in a random order by a rng that's locked far away so every user that goes on, it gets a different order and gets a different experience, which also helps our data be more true, you know, because your song, the Michael Walker song might be number two on my list, but when your grandma logs on, it's number 35. And grandma? so- Oh, when well, you said oh, number 35, I thought choose. it was, it wasn't priority. It wasn't no, like, no, no, okay. No, no, she rated you five stars. My grandma and I have a very great relationship. Perfect. No, she to, gave to you five stars. She loved start it. talking about my grandma. <laughs> <laughs> yes, no, she, she rated you highly. Don't worry about that. <laughs> I did too, though. So, so yeah, so it's just saying that, you know, that, that it's not giving the advantage to the Drake song that always appears first on the list, you know, mm. and I don't mean to pick on Drake either. He and I have have no beef, but, <laughs> but, but yeah, so it delivers the songs and at each increment at 30 seconds, the user gets an in-app ticket. So there's two games, there's a daily cash drawing, and then there's ultimate payout, which is a big, large pie prize. So right now it's at $85,000. And then the daily cash is 
$2,000 we give away daily, no matter what. We have 10 $50 winners, uh, $100 winners, two, no, yeah, two 250 winners, and then one $500 winner. So you're earning tickets, you earn at a minute, you earn once you three more once you listen to the entire song. If you rate the song, you get another ticket. If you add it to your Apple Music, which you can, you know, do in app without leaving, which also helps your algorithm over in Apple Music, you get two more tickets. So you accumulate these tickets at midnight Eastern each night. There is a drawing that, you know, happens and the winners are announced. And they get an email with an e-gift card and they go shopping, you know, or do whatever they're going to do with it. We've had really beautiful stories of, you know, people spending them on Christmas gifts and and that sort of thing, because it's just truly money for doing what you'd already be doing, which is listening to music. Hmm. And the artists get the assurance that it's a real U.S.-based fan listening to their entire song ostensibly, or at least incentivized to do that. So, um, so yeah, that's kind of the, the basic way that it works and it's, it's been really illuminating and successful and wonderful so far. Hmm. What a cool idea. Yeah. Thank thank you you for coming up with ideas like that, that kind of, you put the ball in the court of independent artists because it is like heavily skewed towards these existing major record label artists. So it's great to actually have a platform that, helps to encourage fans to connect with with artists and and you know smaller artists potentially. So I, I definitely have a few questions just in terms of how how that process works. So if I'm under, understanding you right, basically every single day you're giving out a thousand dollars ish to like two thousand two, $2, dollars mm-hmm. um, to people to like fans who are listening yeah. to the songs. Wow. Correct. And is it like, where does the $2,000 come from? Like, do the fans pay for a subscription fee or is it from like the artists or like, how, how does that work? It's exactly? actually completely free to play for the fan. And in 2021, we actually were acquired, you know, went into a partnership with the Arizona lottery. So the leadership hmm. there was incredibly innovative and are, are, you know, kind of changing that that's a whole nother industry. That's really fascinating to me. You know, it's, it's, it's nothing that I knew and something I've become very knowing of now, but the, the Arizona lottery was looking for a way to reach a younger demographic for Hmm. a way to kind of be more, I guess, culturally relevant with a younger audience who maybe aren't going and buying scratchers quite the way their parents do. Mm. And and honestly, I mean, they're doing fine. They're like a $2 billion a year industries or, you know, just Arizona alone. So like they're, mm. they're doing great and they provide amazing scholarship and, and they were looking for a way to offer a free game because there are a lot of limitations to what they can do on mobile. So mm. the leadership there. And the staff, you know, were kind of all about this as a, a way to kind of bridge into being in cultural, you know, the, the kind of the music and art art space. Hmm. So we created this, you know, we had we had created an MVP and done, you know, a lot within Figma and we had a tappable prototype. And so we were able to show them kind of what it could be. And then they they came on board and our engineering team and and you know with Khalid, my business partner, and I 
really overseeing and and completing the project. They then released it um, out into the wilds nationwide. So it's it's a nationwide game. It's not you know gated to Arizona or anything. Last November we went into beta, and mm-hmm. then yeah, we we kind of in the summertime you know, started switching on a little bit of advertising, but it's really been pretty organic. And there's been, as with any new technology, it's it's been a lot of trying and learning. And once you get people in there, you know, really trying to iterate and have it be as optimized and run as smoothly as possible. It's a, it's a pretty difficult engineering task because we have music, we have streaming, we have timers, we have, you know, there, there, there are certain actions that have to be rewarded at certain increments. And so it's, it's pretty intense on the programming side. And I've, you know, went from audio engineering to learning a lot about, about the coding side of things (laughs) and really being in lockstep with, with my engineers. We've all become great friends, just like you do in a studio, because when, whenever there's, you know, any sort of challenge that comes up, it's all of us who are up all night, you know, trying to get, get things, you know, patched or whatever needs to happen. As we've gotten more users in it, it it behaves differently than when there were testing amount of users and stuff. So it's been absolutely the most creative and biggest lift of my life. You know, it's been, it's taken a lot of, a lot of time and a lot of intense months because we, we developed it pretty quickly. The, the deal with Arizona happened in the summer of 2021 and we had it to market by November of 22 which was kind of an insane pace so yeah <laughs> i don't really remember a lot of of socialization <laughs> during that time but but it was really it was really fun you know and it's it's been really mm. a, a great time and we the Arizona lottery folks you know half of them have bands and are musicians and so they really have just like such a love for artists and it's been this really wonderful collaborative thing with them. So the prizing comes from them at this point. And then, you know, once we we get to full user base, it's it'll be self-generating because artists right now are appearing kind of pro bono as we get the data and get, you know, kind of prove why we have value. We don't want to go to artists and say, we just started pay us, you know, so we're we're kind of getting our all of our, our, I guess, data in order, you know, to, so that we can go and present a compelling case of like, why this is a great option. And then at which time um, it does become something where you're paying for that slot, it'll be under $300 a slot. So it's definitely not um, an arm and a leg. And it's something that for the value that you get from it, um, it's a really wonderful value proposition, which is important to myself and to Khalid and to the lottery. You know, everybody um, involved, it's it's one of those rare things where there's not a single one of us that are like, oh, how do I, you know, like we all have, have <laughs> so been on the the other side of it, I guess, that it, the excitement and the victory is really being able to create something that has everybody benefit, you know, and has a really compelling value proposition, because I think that's the thing. Like, I know what $300 is when you're playing 200 shows a year, and you're unloading your own gear and like this better have some redeeming value. It's not just toss away. And so that's, that's kind of 
you know, how, how the whole thing works. Hmm. That's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, I, I know that there are a lot of like playlisting and promotion companies that like you mentioned before, you know, in a lot of cases, they're just bots or they're, you know, they're not even real people yeah. charging thousands of dollars you know, a month for it. So with no like guaranteed results, you know, it's like what yeah. I've found honestly with promotion with PR and everything. I'm always like, it's the great immeasurable thing. Like, how do you know whether the result came from them trying and it not succeeding or them not really even trying or, you know, like you, you don't really have any way to quantify like what you paid for and measure Mm -hmm. the result with ours at the very least, you're going to get a data set back that says, this is how your song performed. You know, this is how many real humans who could potentially come to your club show in Cincinnati listened in that region, you know? And so there's like, the numbers may not be exactly what you want to see, but they will be numbers and they will be real and they will be something that you can make hopefully, you know, smart decisions because you Mm. have access to that data. Mm. Awesome. You know, it's it's kind of funny. So, I mean, first of all, this is an interesting collaboration between the Arizona Lottery and, mm-hmm. and a music company. And my grandma actually lives in Arizona right now. She's a huge fan of the lottery. So just saying. Well, I tell you what, we actually are <laughs> doing, I, I don't know when this goes to broadcast, but the Arizona Lottery team is just radical and wonderful in the best way in in that they are they're so community driven and arts driven and just supporting like the people and so we're actually doing a live events there on the 20th of January at the Phoenix Art Museum we're doing a kind of a partnership with the Phoenix Art Museum where we're going to have five independent artists come and perform live and kind of you know do do a bunch of of just celebrating this concept, I guess, you know, by supporting a a few musicians live, you know, so if she's around, I'll give you the information. It's going to be a (laughs) good time. I'll forward it to her. Yeah. That'd that'd be a fun thing to to connect with her on. Very cool. Mm. Cool. So, I mean, I have a bunch, bunch of other questions are coming to mind. And at some point I'd love to go to the live audience (laughs) and hear your guys' questions as well. I do see a couple of questions coming in here as well. So we'll, we'll go here, here next, okay. but so basically when you say that's like, there was a top 40 list, so it's like a top 40, but it's randomized and is it like limited to 40 songs total on the platform or Correct. is it 40 songs per day? So it's not top 40 okay. in the like general sense. Like we have every it's multi-genre or genre list. So, and then the way that it's programmed is we have four different categories of artists. So we have underground, emerging, current, and legacy. And then we have the different genres. So we have hip hop, country, pop, alternative. We don't really get into too much harder, you know, stuff just generally, we we kind of stick to those stratifications right now. When an artist submits their music, it needs to be clean, you know, it needs to have a clean version. And it needs to be uploaded on, it needs to be available through the, it needs to be distributed through, you know, Spotify, Apple. And so we put together a 40 song playlist given those parameters. And then that playlist of 40 songs is delivered in a different order to each listener, just so that it's not, you know, the the same. So that, so that some, nobody's advantaged at being, 
song one, two or three on everybody's list. And so mm-hmm. it, it helps the artist have a better vantage point at like, you know, the, this is the data knowing that everybody received the song at a different point in their journey through the game. Mm-hmm. And so you can kind of bank upon the the data a little bit better knowing that it's not weighted by like where where the song appears. Super interesting. I mean, one of the questions that comes up, and I'm, I'm sure that this is a part of the um, thought process as, you know, as the platform develops more too, is just like the 40 songs per day. You know, let's say you have like, you know, 2 million or 3 million artists on the platform. How do we, how do you narrow it down to like 20 per day? Like, is the plan always to keep it at 40 no matter how many people are on the platform? Or is there like going to be like a process to expand that or i'm just, yeah, just kind of curious how... i mean there's there's definitely the possibility of making them more genre you know would be probably the way you know mm. we would end up with four different 40 song playlists interesting i think like our everyone limiting... gets their own personalized 40 song based on things they've interacted with in the past maybe or their style or maybe that kind of goes against yeah, what I mean, you guys are looking for yeah we're not necessarily wanting you know there's there's kind of this misnomer i think about the the DSPs and the way they recommend music, they really are recommending more of what you've already heard, you know, and as an artist and a producer that I get why that's a thing. It doesn't excite me, you know, like I, mm-hmm. I like the idea to the extent that we can of introducing music that maybe you wouldn't normally mm-hmm. listen to, you know, like, yeah. like, and so I don't, I don't foresee us going down the avenue of like algorithm because you like this, you're going to listen to this. Mm-hmm. It would more be that, okay, this is like, we have certain listeners that, you know, they'll write in and they'll be like, I hate all the hip hop songs, you know, or I hate all the country songs. So it would be more mm-hmm. for the user to be able to avoid the type of music that they truly don't enjoy. Mm-hmm. But as far as the finite list, that's, that's kind of something that's fairly static in that once we start getting up into 60 songs, that's such a time commitment for the user. Right now, mm-hmm. 40 songs, you can usually complete it in about two and a half hours or so over the course of your day. Part of the reason we can get data that we can count on is because we know the users are engaged and not fatigued. And it, it's something that is a realistic proposition for their world. I think once you start getting into 50, 60 songs, mm. you know, you're asking for a lot of a of a user's day and perhaps they'll be rabid enough that that would make sense, but that's not where our mind is going. We would we would make more 40 song playlists before we would probably make the the number higher. That definitely makes sense. I mean, it sounds like this is really like kind of what you guys are, are building, but if there's a platform that could gamify the experience for me to discover new songs on a daily basis. And that could give me novelty. So it's because I, yeah, yeah. I think that that's important. Like we don't want to just literally hear the exact same thing, but I mean, 40 songs would be like a pretty huge commitment for me on a daily basis. But you know, if there's different like tiers where it's, you know, you actually unlock different benefits or perks, like, you know, it's if streaks, like if you Absolutely, listen to the first yeah. just one a day. Well, we have a leaderboard right now that is not connected to any reward and people are insane about it. Just seeing mm. your name on a leaderboard and the fear of that name dropping is such an incentive that I did not anticipate because I, Hmm. I don't, 
know that about myself that I'm too affected by that, but other people really yeah. are. And that's, what's fascinating is, is kind of learning about human psyche and all of this, but you're absolutely right. Like there's, we're going to double, triple, quadruple down on the incentives. We're getting the, the main idea executed as well as possible first. And then those leaderboards and like you said, streaks, you know, there's, we don't really have any desire to go into social on this because then you're, you're monitoring you know, you're overseeing a social platform, which is my worst nightmare, you know, (laughs) to have people actually like commenting or interacting, but to the extent that, you know, you could have smaller competition groups, you know, or whatever you Mm. could, there, there's just different, I'm like, we all know in gaming, there's a million ways you can, you can gamify something. So we will definitely be doing that. We actually were back in 2020, we filed for a utility patent, thinking that there might be something novel in this whole, you know, gamification, like basically tokenizing the listen of a piece of audio. And we actually were granted that patent in August of this year. It finalized in November. And so this whole concept has a lot of application. And when you think about all the TV streaming, you know, when you think about podcasts, when you think about literally anything where, so it, it's for streaming audio, it's not for songs, it's for, you know, so un, unless you're a silent movie, you're going to be streaming audio as well. And so as all of the streamers, whether it's in music or television, like market share is like done eight up, you know, we all have all the subscriptions that we can possibly manage right and we're all looking at ways to like cancel subscriptions because our attention is so oversaturated it is our belief that a lot of these different platforms are going to be going into trying to incentivize and gamify their offerings so it it almost is this has turned into this wonderful use case and you know ultimate playlist represents the first offering of this utility and the Arizona lottery is incredibly forward thinking to be the entity that, that really made that possible because without them, this plane doesn't fly, you know, they, like we were able to launch at scale because of their muscle and their power and they are wonderful partners in it. And we all are kind of of the belief that, this for artists is a beautiful thing, but like, this is also something that filmmakers and podcasters and, and, you know, basically anybody offering something to the public that is asking for attention. I mean, it could go into advertising. Like that's not anything that's like sexy or alluring to me, but like, that is, that is where we see this going, that this is about the concept of looking at a fan and saying, listen, we're not going to lie to you. We understand. And you understand your attention has a value. So somebody's going to pay you for that attention one way or another. We're just not going to be disingenuous about it. We're not hiding the ball. We're like flat out saying like, we will pay you in potential cash to give us your two hours of your day. Instagram's not paying you to scroll. You know, like there is no chance that at the end of the day, when I've spent two and a half hours given Instagram my attention, like I'm not perhaps winning a $250 gift card after that. 
most likely. And so that's that's kind of the value proposition and kind of the the idea, you know, that we're very excited about looking at how market share is is pretty saturated at this point. That's awesome. I, I love what you guys are, are building. And there's some huge alignment with, you know, where our focus has been for the past <laughs> several years with, with Street Team. In fact, I, I would love to connect more and, and talk about the idea of building an integration into Street Team specifically for artists to be able to create like maybe a playlist of their music where they could actually gamify for them, like to their fans, being able to give them rewards for streaming their music and having a leaderboard based on that. You nailed it. Yeah. I mean, like you're, and you're going into the other place that, so our patent actually includes some blockchain language as well, because having actions trigger rewards Mm -hmm. is what you're speaking of and makes all the sense in the world and should be done on that artist level. You know, like it's, it's, absolutely absurd to me that like some of these biggest the biggest artists you know i'm here in nashville who are have brilliant management brilliant agents brilliant concert promoters like they kind of don't know how many shows a fan attended in a year like that number could be two or that could be eight like just by a token given at each show you could know that like oh my goodness this fan came to 11 shows this year. And when you're doing your end of year, you know, like, like winner's circle or whatever, you know, like that, that would be something you would want to know about somebody who 11 nights out of the year chose to come be at your show, you know? And, and so I think the fact that we don't have a, an automatic way of knowing that, you know, Mm -hmm. it's a very manual way of knowing that. So it sounds like you're, yeah, we're, we're in, the same yeah. collective yeah. consciousness here. A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, to give you like a, a quick crash course on, on street team, like basically that's the, the premise of it is that fans, we have a robust system for tracking fan actions and attaching a point value to those, to those actions. And through right now, there's a few actions that are like repeating actions that a fan can take to generate more points and they can redeem those points within the artist community to unlock different access and perks and benefits. And right now there's a lifetime value integration so that for every dollar that the fan spends for, with an artist, they get a hundred tokens to be able to redeem and to make requests to the artist. And then there's a referral mechanism. We have these cards, we call them music cards, but basically Beautiful. great design. These, um, Thanks. Yeah. I mean, shout out to uh, Curtis on on our team. He's taken our design stuff to the next level in like 10 different, 10,000 different ways. But so these cards are like wire, they use the same uh, technology that Apple Pay uses to basically scan wirelessly to to a phone and unlock exclusive content and to be able to, you know, on a daily basis, if they, you know, enter the community, they can get, you know, a hundred points per day to be able to redeem. And so it seems like there's some like serious alignment with what you guys Absolutely. are building. And- yeah, no, we definitely need to have a conversation because that's, yeah, I I love hearing the way you've put it together is really understandable and streamlined too, which I think has been a lot of the barrier of like just NFTs as a term. Hmm. I like 
recoil at it because I know how mm. many people in my actual life are going to hear that and be like, I'm not buying a cartoon, you know, ape. A gift like of that. a hamster. Exactly. Yeah. Like they, yeah. It, it, it's completely, it's so bizarre and ununderstandable to them that they'll dismiss something that they really would enjoy, like what you're doing. So I think the fact that you have this very tangible and, and, and speaking and lingo that we all understand historically, you know, and, and I, I, it sounds brilliant. Congrats. Mm -hmm. Like that's, it's really beautiful execution as well. Thank you. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. it seems like we're definitely, you know, same, same mindset. So I'm looking Absolutely. forward to connecting more and, and figuring out how we can integrate the the platforms together. I love that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's pull Khalid into that conversation because he'll, he'll love what you're doing as well. Awesome. All right. Well, speaking of, you know, interactivity and connecting with a community and audience, I'd love to take this opportunity to open up the floor to our live audience. And, yeah. you know, if, if you have any specific questions or anything that you'd like to ask about Ultimate Playlist or Chevy, then feel free to either raise your hand to come on here live. Or if you'd like to leave a question in the chat, they can also ask there and I'm happy to forward the question for you. Jerry asked if currently the app is limited to United States only or does it work uh, overseas as well? Unfortunately, it's United States only. So you're, it's only going to be offered in the U.S. App Store and Google Play. I do believe if you have, you know, if, like perhaps military, if you're, you know, if, if you have a phone that appears to the network as a US based phone, I think you could could play anywhere. But I was actually just on our Google Analytics this morning and definitely some people, according to Google, are accessing from Mexico. So I assume that they're in Mexico, but have a US based carrier system or I, I'm not quite sure how that works, but the short answer is it's US right now. Yeah. So I mean, there's probably some pretty complex legality around like giveaways and stuff like there's, that. But... There's a lot. I mean, we actually are looking at, you know, the possibility of an Australian version, obviously the UK packs the big version and for Australian and UK, well, European based artists for Korean based artists, it actually, I think is going to end up being a good way. Like I've had a bunch of friends in bands from the UK who, when they're coming to the U S they're like, it is this big beast of a country, like how you even begin. Mm. And they could kind of test some songs and be like, okay, well, we seem to have a lot of traction in the Southwest. Maybe that's the part of the US we'll bite off first or, you know, that sort of thing. So in terms of trying to perhaps break in the US, if you're from another country, it's another access point. And we can assure you it's real live human beings with, you know, ears listening and legs to, you know, like walk to your show. So, <laughs> so that, that is an assurance that, I don't know if I'm just a skeptic, but I'm always like, oh, I don't know, you know, like, am I paying for a bot farm in northern Sweden to listen to my song or are these people? And so for other, we can definitely put songs from other countries on it. But as far as players, they need to be U.S. based. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Yep. Yeah. So looking at other questions from the audience, I see a lot of people saying thank you. Great stuff. And Sophia Alpha said, what's the pop? It's called uh, Ultimate Playlist. Tercio Pello said, I was able to download the app in Costa Rica connected to the U.S. store. So there you go. There you go. Okay, good, good. That's some good anecdotal evidence there. Uh, fantastic. And yeah, it's ultimateplaylist.app is the website that will give you the link to, to either store. If you look up Ultimate Playlist, the logo is 
it looks like the word up with, you know, the play sign and the P. So it's, it's pretty recognizable mm. on a search. Awesome. Well, Chevy, thank you so much for taking the time to come on here on the podcast today and share what you've thank been working you. on. Yeah. Uh, I appreciate the life experience that you bring to, you know, to what you're building now with the software. Also as someone that has, you know, started out as a musician, toured for 10 years, started modern musician, uh, dove into the world of software development, have just geeked out for the past two years learning how to code. Yeah. I also can you know, share that. I can relate to that that story of you know, engineering kind of coming into yeah. that and the, the coming together of multiple worlds, gamification meets music. So I love what you're building. Yeah. And for anyone who's uh, listening to this right now, who's interested in you know, diving deeper or signing up for Ultimate Playlist and, and submitting their music, what would be the best place for them to go to connect more? So you can um, go to the website, ultimateplaylist.app, and then it's submissions at ultimateplaylist.app. You would need to send a link to your song on Apple Music. And then, you know, just as far as which, like the link will be your song, but make sure you put the title in there and that sort of thing. And then as far as playing the app, you just go to the app store and, and download it and we'll be so happy to have you on Instagram. It's ultimate playlist dot, or it's just ultimate playlist app, I believe is the, is the URL or the, the, the at there. It's not a URL. And then, yeah, my, I'm Chevy Smith. It's Chevy with an S. So you can find me on there and always ask me any questions as well. You know, like I love kind of the, the ability when I've had my own things to like, you know, reach out to a founder and, and get a direct answer. You know, that's, I'm always happy to hear from people on there. And uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of the scoop on where you go. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, like always, uh, we'll put the links in the show notes for easy access. And thank you. Chevy, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. It was a pleasure. <laughs> thank you. Such a joy. Yeah! Hey, it's Michael here. I hope that you got a ton of value out of this episode. Make sure to check out the show notes to learn more about our guest today. And if you want to support the podcast, then there's a few ways to help us grow. First, if you hit subscribe, then that'll make sure you don't miss a new episode. Secondly, if you share it with your friends or on your social media, tag us. That, that really helps us out. And third, uh, best of all, if you leave us an honest review, it's going to help us reach more musicians like you who want to take their music careers to the next level. The time to be a modern musician is now, and I look forward to seeing you on our next episode.